Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, gopowercat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC studios, here's your host, Go Power Cat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to a bonus edition of the Power Cat Questions podcast. And here's what happened. This is what happened. By the way, I'm Tim Fitzgerald. We were going to have uh, a regular podcast, and then our schedules didn't line up. Brian Gilbert has another job. He's working part-time for us. And uh, you know what? So he couldn't be here, but we wanted to include him with some basketball questions. You know, he covers hoops for us. Cole does too. Michael Goins does a great job. Goins has a full-time job where he isn't really available for the podcast. So we were going to do three segments. We did that a couple weeks ago. Just park a basketball segment right in the middle. Have Gills come in. Well, I'm taping this open after Gills has departed because we got really long-winded. It was long for one segment. By our usual standards. So here we are. This is a bonus edition of the Powercat Questions podcast is we tee off on basketball. Kansas State did win on Wednesday night against Oklahoma State, 71 to 68. It was a really nice victory for the Cats. Um, and now that has opened up some conversations that after Ole Miss, maybe we didn't think we'd have. But we're here to have it. And we've got six great questions from the users, the subscribers, the VIPs at GoPowerCat.com who get to ask our questions on the podcast. And Gills and I will line them up and talk about all of these topics and so much more as we assess the state of Kansas State basketball in this special edition of the PowerCat Questions podcast. And, of course, we are sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. At the corner of Claflin and Westport, right here in Manhattan, get into the fridge, and I know a lot of you do. It is so busy, but they have such great service. They get you in and out of there. Incredible selection of everything you would want from a liquor store, including now setups and limes and all the things you need to really have a great night. No reason in the state of Kansas now to stop at two places because liquor stores can help you out with all you need, and they do it really well at the fridge. And now let's bring in Mr. Ryan Gilbert. Gills, as we call him, because we love him. Kansas State won on Wednesday night against a pretty decent Oklahoma State team, 71-68. Nigel Pack hits the winner with 2.2 seconds left. They lined it up, and he buried, what, about 24 feet, would you say, Gills? He was outside that circle pretty good. And it was, yeah. uh, it was a nice win. They get him to 11-10 and 10 on the season. And they are now three and six in the conference at the midway point of the schedule. I kind of botched the whole number of games left in my walk and talk gills. I was just I was off my game, man. I was just I was tired. That was a late game. 
was signing that's day. That's hard for some of us, right? <clears throat> I'm elderly. I didn't have you feeding me information. And that's what we get. So let's dive into a little basketball here. We're sponsored by The Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Please, please support The Fridge whenever you are in Manhattan. Here we go. Dr. J54 wants to know what I think we all want to know. What the hell's going on? He didn't say hell. Dr. J would never <laughs> say that. I put that in there. What is going on with the bigs? And it is not good. Although last night, Davion Bradford actually had seven points and three rebounds. And if you haven't been following along with K-State sports, K-State basketball in particular this season, that's a breakthrough. Seven points and three rebounds in about 26 minutes of action. Gills, it, it went from pretty solid last year to really not very good this year. Mm-hmm. And I think you can attribute that to, you know, his uh, his health in, uh, health issues that he had uh, early on in this season. And now his hip is kind of having something flare up on him. So he's not 100%. And despite that, you know, good stat line, I guess, with his points that he had last night. Um, and <laughs> it's not a good thing when it's good when he scores seven points. That should be, you know, the standard for him night in and night out. But, you know, just running up and down the court. I'm still very concerned with Bradford and, you know, it's a really good point. Dr. J if K state wants to, to start winning some games here consistently in the big 12, the bigs have got to step up. And I was thinking about this Fitz. I mean, how in the world did K state make it to the elite eight and then win a big 12 title with McCall Mayweed? <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense to me. And I know that Xavier Snee, you know, Dean Wade, they had some guys that could play the four and really help out down low defensively despite being undersized. But, you know, Kansas State's going to have to have something step up here with the bigs moving forward. And, and Eziegu, you know, he plays his tail off, his tail off, but he's just, he's really not that good. Um, he's a backup. You know, he played at what UTEP, right? And I think that, you know, is probably is, is where, you know, he kind of belongs. I know he's, he's, he's trying his hardest here at K-State, but I think of Fitz, we've mentioned this here more before the season and even during the season about how Mike McGurl is best suited as, you know, a 15, 20-minute, uh, you know, a game guy. And if he's playing any more than that, then that's a problem. I think that's actually changed a little bit here. Now, if, if Mike McGurl is on the court 30 minutes a game, you've got Nigel Pack that can score. He's a sharpshooter. You've got Marquise Noel who can find, those open shooters and make some acrobatic plays. You've got Mark Smith that can rebound. He can go get his own bucket when, you know, it's needed. And if Mike McGurl is your fourth guard on the court and he can just go rebound, you know, do what he did on those really good K-State teams, just provide good defense and, and bring some good energy. I don't think that's a problem. K-State needs a big man to step up. If, if K-State wants to get away with doing that K-State just needs a big that can play 15 minutes a game and not be a liability and be a negative for that team. They need somebody like that. Who's it going to be? I don't know. I know the, you will get into Carlton Lingard here in a second, but I mean, you just can't have a negative down low. It doesn't have to be a positive. You don't need a score. You don't need somebody that's going to drop 15, 20 you know, points a game because K-State's guards are making up for that right now. K-State, I mean, you know, Baylor's coming up here next week. How is K-State going to compete with Baylor? I know that I, I talked about McCall Maywean and, how it's a miracle K-State was able to have success with him. I think that, you know, Bruce Weber might deserve some credit for that with his schematics and, you know, finding ways to, you know, get around some of the the lack of of, uh, physicality, so to speak, that K-State has. But something's got to change with the bigs, and, and I wish I had, you know, the perfect answer. Well, I'll defend him a little bit here. I thought he was more effective in the Oklahoma State game than he's been in many games uh, in a row. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is 
Uh, I think he kept the Oklahoma State big men away from the backboard. K-State only lost rebounding 33-32. Oklahoma State only had nine offensive rebounds. So there was an improvement from what we've seen in the rebounding department. And if Carlton Lingard and Casey Eziagu and Davion Bradford can just block out and let the ball come off the rim, a guy like Mike McGurl can have 10 rebounds in a game, which he did. And, of course, Mark Smith has been a double-double machine. He only had eight rebounds in the game on Wednesday night. But they're getting the rebounds from other people, but they can't not get rebounds from their bigs and let the other bigs get rebounds because that's what's been happening. Now, the downside for Davion is I can remember at least two, maybe three beautiful feeds from Noel that he just botched and should have had a dunk or a lay-in right at the rim, and he didn't catch the ball. So those are the things that are really painful. He did finish the game with three turnovers. He did have two assists and a block. So there's other things on his stat line that speak well and speak poorly of how he played. And the next question is from Link182, as you alluded to. Why doesn't Bruce play Carlton Lingard more? I don't understand. And I think it gets back to that. Carlton is clearly the best offensive player player that they can put in the post, but he also struggles rebounding, being physical, and keeping the opposing team off the boards. And at seven foot and about 102 pounds, uh, he does kind of get shoved out of the way a little bit. But I don't know about you, Gills. I feel like there's some serious game in there. He's just going to need to learn how to use his body as leverage, not just sheer strength, and keep people off the boards uh, because he can't be giving up rebounds. And I suspect that's what the coaches are seeing. Your thoughts? Yeah, and you mentioned Lingard is 102 pounds or whatever. I, you know, that's going to come. He's going to get stronger. He's going to get bigger. He's going to develop. There's really no doubt about you know that with, with me. He's been injured a lot, so he, you know, he's really he hasn't had really a fair chance. And and even going back to his JUCO days, you know, the competition that's just apples and oranges. You know, going up against the Big Twelve, you know, big men versus some guy at JUCO, right? So there's a long way to go for Lingard, but I am optimistic that he is going to, at some point, get over this hump and really be a, a, an effective big man for Kansas State. The biggest thing for Lingard is he's using his brain too much, and he's not just playing basketball. And what I mean by that is you can't, you can't think in basketball. It's too quick, especially in the big 12. You don't have time to think you, you just got to go and you got to grab that rebound. You got to go under that screen, over that screen, whatever it may be. You just got to go. You can't think about it. And Lingard is thinking too much. And that's, you know, partly because he hasn't played enough, right? He's, he's inexperienced. He's trying, you know, I, you know, in case States with, uh, you know, Scott work and film work, all this stuff, he's got so much information that he's trying to process, one of these days, I do think it's just going to kind of click in his head that, you know, just boom, go be a player. You're athletic enough. You can go down there and compete. You just can't think about it. You just got to go do it. And and that'll come with time for Lingard. The more experience, the more minutes he gets, you know, the more mistakes that that he makes, he'll learn from them. And I have a lot of a lot of um, optimism with Lingard. I really do. And I'm with you uh, on this question here. I would love to see him on the court more. But, but when is that time? You know, that's where not having him – healthy for for most of that non-conference is really starting to sting you know you don't want to really you know k-state's being competitive in these games this doesn't these games shouldn't be the uh get the growing pains out of the way games right those should have been the non-con games you didn't have the opportunity since he wasn't healthy so now you know you're trying to balance you know being competitive in some of these games and 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 really just kind of offsetting that with 
how physical some of those bigs are in the Big 12. But I agree. I think Lingard should get more playing time. I think he will moving forward, but he is just kind of a step behind. And, and Logan Landers, I think, is, is two steps behind. He's two, you know, I don't know, pounds weak, so to speak. He's 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 really far behind. Lingard's kind of there in the middle. He's getting there. He's getting acclimated, but there's still some work to do. But the biggest thing is he's just got to play basketball, and he can't be thinking about what's going on. He's just got to do it. Carl Lingard is a junior, by the way, seven feet tall, 220 pounds. That's amazing. That's Doesn't great. seem right. <laughs> Casey Eziagu is also a junior. He's 6'10", 255, and sophomore Davion Bradford is seven foot 270. I think he might be a little over that right now. He's carrying some weight after the injury, and you alluded to Logan Landers there. He's 6'9", 215-pound freshman, but even a lot of that – weight isn't necessarily muscle mass so he's got a ways to go in his physical development for Kansas State basketball and they're just they've got to get more out of the bigs I mean that's that's nothing significant that's not a brilliant thought by any of us it's just a glaring weakness right now and it it's hard to figure out how everything went bad because the bigs were actually somewhat effective last year led by Bradford but man Eziago it's painful to watch him try to play I mean he's basically got a stiff leg because the brace is so uh, intrusive on what he's trying to do. He's got a bad back, and it's just, man, I, I admire the kid for being out there because it'd be easy to sit out because of the pain, but he, he keeps suiting up and keeps playing and, and doing whatever. He, he plays his butt off. It's not always great, but he's playing his butt off. I will say that. Link 182. I wouldn't say it's frustrating with Easy Agu, but think about the non-con and I think that Wichita state game, easy played yeah. really well. Yeah. He was physical down low and, and maybe that's just because it's a mid-major, you know, school versus a power five school that he's you know playing nine in a night out now. But it, man, it is frustrating. There was a lot of promise with easy And I feel like, you know, maybe the injuries are everything that, that you need to know, but he's just really kind of, kind of halted his progression. It feels like it's frustrating to see. Yeah. One other thought that I just realized, I, I kind of wish they would go back and, and get some scouting film of Arkansas. Remember their seven-two post? I called him Slenderman because <laughs> I, I think he weighed about two hundred and twenty pounds, but he was effective. You know, he found a way to, as I mentioned at the opening, he he knew how to use leverage rather than just brute strength, and he could uh, mm-hmm. get a little bit more uh, physical with blocking out because he understood the leverage. But I, I almost wish they'd pop in that film and, and point out the things that that kid does because uh, he was goofy, he was awkward, but he scored and he rebound and he, he set picks and he did all the things you need from a post player. Um, and then he scares children as, at night at Slender Man. That's not right at all. Link 182, does Gil still think Bruce takes this team to the NCAA tournament? There is still a path yeah. to the tournament. Terrence. Now, is it? Are the odds in their favor? Obviously not. It's an ethical battle from here. But there is still a path there. This team still does have a pulse. Uh, despite all the struggles, this team is tied for sixth place in the Big 12. Uh, Fitz, you mentioned this in your walk and talk about how much that Ole Miss loss stings. And that, that win, if you pick it up, really doesn't do much for your resume itself. But just to be, you know, the numbers, I think you've got me messed up now with, with what K-State's record would be. <laughs> but, you know, K-State – that one really would have helped out, not just with one more win and one less loss, but just with the momentum moving forward. Now, I'm pleased that K-State was able to pick up that win and and get back you know, on track against Oklahoma State. But, you know, the Big 12 is a gauntlet. It's not going to be easy. 
but there is still a path for Kansas State. This team is alive. It's not like they're going to need to win every game from here on out. You know, you can get away with, I don't know, three or four more losses here, and it might come down to, you know, the Big 12 tournament where you might need to pick up a win over your Oklahoma or Texas, whoever it may be. I mean, if you get the opportunity to play KU or, or, or Baylor or Tech, then awesome, go out and get that win and really prove yourself. But it might be similar to that 2017 team where they had to beat Baylor, who was, I believe, what, the three seed yeah, in that like tournament. That. So, you know what, there is there is a path to the tournament. It's not, you know, crazy to say that. Is it unlikely? Absolutely. But, you know, K-State's still got a lot left in the tank. I'm not writing this team off yet. So let me clarify from the walk and talk since I botched my own math. Um, <laughs> they are now, what, 11 and 10 on the season. I think beating TCU on Saturday in Fort Worth is essential. That would get them mm-hmm. to 12 and 10. Uh, my problem with the loss to Ole Miss, you mentioned it's, you know, a loss instead of a win, but it's actually a two game swing because instead of being 12 and 10, if they win Saturday, they would have been 13 and nine, four games above 500 instead of two with out the loss to a mediocre to bad sec team. And that stings their resume. Even if they get close and get on the bubble, that Ole Miss loss at past the halfway point of the season is going to stick out to the committee. I'm afraid as you know, a cross competition between two, of the power conferences, and it won't look good for K-State. So it was almost like a double whammy. You not only are now you know behind the eight ball in the number of wins you have and your record needing to be you know notably over 500, but you also have that loss to them. So you, if you come out of TCU at 12 and 10 and 4 and 6 in the conference, you've got eight more games in the conference. And um, at the very very least you need to go four and four i think probably five and three because unless you're going to win the big 12 tournament you're going to get a loss at some point Mm -hmm. in kansas city so i mean just going through this after tcu and again let me emphasize i'm saying they need to win at tcu or they've just erased what they did on saturday and gone back to 500 they've got baylor coming in they go to iowa state they got west virginia coming in they go to oklahoma state they go to kansas Iowa State comes in, they go to Tech, and Oklahoma comes in. Brother, they got three road games, Tech and Kansas. Um, and, well, maybe not Iowa State as much, but Tech and Kansas for sure that don't feel like wins. They, You know, it just doesn't seem like a good matchup on the road. And, and now you're talking about having to find four out of the next six, four the, out of the other six, and that includes a home game with Baylor. Yeah, it, it, the math gets really hard for me. Now, the good news is I know a lot's been made that as of uh, last night, K-State's tied for six in the conference. Uh, but according to my mathematician, Zach Carlson, and folks, don't ever hire him as your mathematician. He's really not. But he, he filled me in on this. K-State would still be playing in that first round of the Big 12 tournament, which this year is one game because Oklahoma State's not eligible. So the eight and nine seeds will play. Um, and uh, you know, we'll see what happens if K-State's in that game. The good news is it gives them an opportunity to steal another win and add another quality win to their, their record because beating anyone in the Big 12 this season is a quality win. That's just how it's stacked up, and maybe uh, that'll still be that way even though they kind of did something in the bed uh, against the SEC. 
I'll tell you what, Gills, let's take a little break right here in the middle of this six-question podcast as we go longer than expected. We're sponsored by The Fridge Wholesale Liquor. One final thought for me as we head into break. Last night, they announced attendance around 6,000, and it was nowhere near that. What they do now is they take the alumni season tickets and count them as attendance for every game because they know alumni come from long distances. They can't make every game. But then they add it to the actual attendance of students in general admission. And that's maybe how they got to, you know, 5,800 or whatever it was for Wednesday night's game. There wasn't anywhere near that. And if you saw a picture that was posted on Twitter, it was astonishing how few people were there. Now, if you're from Kansas City or Wichita or even like Salina, I, I, I get why you didn't come. I mean, the weather was bad where you were at. It was cold in Manhattan, but we had max two inches of snow. I don't even think it was two. So it was a little slippery, a little ice over a little bit here and there, but you could get around Manhattan pretty easily. Getting out of the vehicle wasn't any fun because it was so cold, but come on, we're from Kansas. We can deal with a little bit of cold. Then they threw the doors open free to students and faculty and, you know, I don't know who else. Manhattan alone should be able to put more people in the seats that aren't students than what was there on Wednesday night. And I don't know Depending on how you look at it, it's an indictment of the program under Bruce Weber or an indictment of a fan base having an overreaction to what's going on. I I think it's everything. I think fans are tired. The world of college athletics has changed. People don't have to go to games all the time. I know it now because when I was quarantined and missed two home games, I was able to watch both games here in my home, in my studio, do my job. Going to games isn't what it used to be. It used to be the only way to really see the game and enjoy the game, and TV's changed that. Big screens have changed that. ESPN's working on uh, a way to drive fans back to the game uh, and not watch their product by having remote announcers because they're dreadful, and luckily I didn't hear how bad they were, but it's impossible for them to do their job, which involves being part of the environment. From home, you just can't. You can't feel the environment. You can't hear the crowd. There's no crowd underneath you. It doesn't make you speak louder. It doesn't make you uh, understand the nuances of the game because you're sitting right there, literally at half court. So maybe ESPN is going to solve this for athletics directors by making their products so dreadful people will want to go out in 10 degree weather and attend a basketball game. Well, that's just one thought as we head into break here, and we'll be right back on the other side with more of this questions podcast. I am Fitz, and Ryan Gilbert is standing by. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to 
other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions podcast sponsored by the Fridge Wholesale Liquor, Tim Fitzgerald and Ryan Gilbert in a special basketball-only edition of the Questions podcast as we worked it out this way to realign our schedules and you get a bonus podcast. That's just how it works. And let's get going again with the final portion of our questions here. Link 182, didn't mean to cut you off in the middle of your three-question run here, but let's get you started with the second half. Where does Mark Smith land on a list of the best one-year players for KSU men's basketball? And I seem to remember a guy named Michael Beasley, Gills. That was pretty good. He stuck around for a year. So certainly behind that guy, but I can't think of anyone else. And there haven't been that many one-year good players for K-State. But I got to say this. I had someone tweet at me about how Smith will have a good night and then go 1-13. and And it was someone in the Kansas City media. I'm not going to call him out. But I'm like, you have not watched Mark Smith play this year, have you? He hasn't gone 1-13. and He That's the old Mark Smith. I don't know what happened between getting on the road on I-70 in Columbia and getting off the highway in Manhattan, but maybe he was blessed by the Bill Snyder Highway. But this is a different player. He's, his entire game is different. And it was funny on Saturday to listen to the SEC announcers who were familiar with him from Missouri talk about the old Mark Smith. Well, I never saw him <laughs> rebound like this. I never saw him do this. I never saw him do that. Well, that's that's okay. That's the old Mark Smith. I don't know what's happened with him, if it's a better locker room, a better system, or just generally understanding that he needs to refine his game. The dude is a warrior, Gills. I mean, he is – I don't know where this team would be out without him, honestly. He's taking pressure off everyone else, including Nigel Pack. He's rebounding, um, and he's been uh, he's been a great pickup. I can't imagine uh, K-State getting anything much better out of the transfer portal in, in terms of what they have because these guys have helped a lot, but mostly Mark Smith. We've said this from day one, that Mark Smith just needed a change of scenery, and the proof is in the pudding when <laughs> you look at what he's doing with Kansas state and he did kind of struggle in the non-con and, you know, there were maybe some growing concerns. I, you know, you mentioned that Arkansas game in Kansas city, the game after that was Illinois. And we all know the bad blood between him and Illinois. And let's be honest here, that crowd, that fan base got in his head. He was trying to do way too much. 
And, you know, all the boos he was hearing, he was hearing them. And, uh, you know, he was struggling for a little bit and he's really found his own, you know, he single-handedly went out there and beat Oklahoma on the road. And he's, he's not this guy that's going to play like, uh, like a Trey young or Marshall Henderson from Ole Miss, like these guys that just jack up threes and do whatever the heck they want. Kind of like at times what Marquise Noel does, but he's very calm and level-headed with, with his high ceiling. And that's, what's really encouraging. You know, if you're shooting 20 field goals a game and, and you're still scoring 20 some points, that's great, but he's doing it on half of those field goals. He's, he's making smart plays for the most part. I think maybe one of his weaknesses is getting a little bit too excited when he's got an open path to the lane. And I wouldn't even say an open path to the lane, but you know, maybe a one-on-one path and he thinks he can get by this defender and then a double team comes on him and, and, and you know, a smart player has got to learn to kick it out because you know, math tells you fits that you're going to have at least one open player when you're being double teamed. So, you know, he's still got a little bit of, you know, I guess, uh, excitement that he might need to calm down when he, when he thinks he can score, but he can definitely score. There's no doubt about that. And, and you mentioned it fits. I don't, I don't, I can't remember a one-year player at all really with Kansas state. That's made any sort of an impact like this at all. I, I can't even name one. Not well, Beasley, but, um, okay. well. <laughs> but under Weber, no, when guys have come in and left after one year, it's because they just didn't fit. They, they weren't productive, yeah. whatever. His line against Oklahoma State, Mark Smith, 6'11 from the field, 2 of 6 from three-point range. I'll take that, actually. 5 of 6 from the free-throw line, 8 rebounds. This is one of the stats that I, I absolutely love that they've added to the stats sheet. He only fouled once in the game, but he drew five fouls. Um, and that's mm-hmm. from being aggressive. And that's something that Kansas State hasn't always had from Bruce Weber. That's, his teams haven't been known for attacking the rim that often consistently they've had guys that do it but uh, a lot of the games when people complain including myself sometimes about the officials the the fouls being out of whack you can go look at this column and realize hey they weren't taking the ball to the rim they weren't causing fouls it wasn't that they weren't being caught they weren't being called by the refs they they weren't causing them and of course the ever uh, ridiculous plus minus he was plus 13 in that Oklahoma State game so He's had his moments. I, I like him. I, I, I think he's been a really positive influence in the locker room, really positive influence on the floor. And I bet you if you ask people in Columbia and Champaign, Illinois, they would say Mark Smith on both of those counts. So good good for him. B. Foster, 1959. What's the likelihood that Nigel Pack, Davion Bradford, or Selton McGill will enter the transfer portal in the next three months? I'm not a big fan of these questions because you're asking us to read someone's mind. But I think based just my assessment, Gills, based on how college athletics are now, fairly high that one of them will. That's just the way it works now. Um, But I also won't be surprised at all if all three stay. And if there's a change in coaches, we'll see. Maybe that causes it. Maybe it causes them to stay, depending on who it is. It's impossible to make this prediction, isn't it? Yeah, and, and you you mentioned it. If there's a coaching change, this is just a different question. There's no doubt about that. But I, you know, if you're a K State fan, you've got to hope and pray that Nigel Pack stays for at least four, if not five years at Kansas State. Right? He is the superstar, and we're seeing it now that he's finally getting healthy. You know, people kind of forget about his concussion that he had early on in the year, and you know that obviously takes you out of your rhythm for a little bit. He's finally getting that back, and and the game winner against Oklahoma State just just proves all of that. But if I had to pick one, I would probably go with Selton Miguel. 
um, just because, let's be honest, Fitz, he wants to score. And his defense is better than his offense. I don't think anybody is going to deny that. Uh, it's a matter of him accepting that. If he wants to be a team player and, and go grab seven, eight rebounds a game and, and only score five, six points a game, that'd be great. I think, I think everybody's going to be happy with that. Is Silton Miguel happy with that though? That's the question. So he, he would be my candidate. I think, you know, Davion Bradford, if he continues to struggle like this and, and can't get healthy and just is a step behind and, and quite literally a step behind because he's so slow and, and can't get back on his feet, you know, maybe he pulls a Mark Smith and just needs a new change of scenery with or without Bruce Weber at Kansas state. So Nigel pack is, is kind of the only lock as, as long as Weber stays, I think pack is a lock here for Kansas state, but you know, Miguel, you know, who knows where he'll end up if he wants to accept his kind of role at Kansas state. Uh, I mean, I think it's not a crazy unfair comparison to make to Dejuan Gordon. I mean, Gordon wanted to be that score and that's why he left and went to Mizzou. Who's struggling a 10 times worse than K state did last year, which is pretty ironic, but you know, if Miguel wants to be like Gordon and wants to be that score, I think there's a lot of teams, power five teams that, you know, might be struggling that would, would be happy with Selton Miguel on their team. So I could see him leaving. I could see Bradford wanting a new, a new team, but, but pack has got to be that lock for me. Yeah. You know, I, he's, I'm, I'm going to be really honest here. He's the only guy on this roster I would hate to lose. And that doesn't mm-hmm. mean I want anyone else to leave. I feel like other guys are replaceable that might come back. Um, uh, but Nigel is kind of a heart and soul kind of guy. He's pretty quiet, but uh, you can tell he's a leader on the court in the locker room through his actions. You know, it's interesting. People are so wound up in the NIL. I think I got asked a question, will someone come along and offer him an NIL if he – you know, switches schools, and I, I don't know. I mean, but I'll say this. He wore his own T-shirt into the press conference last <laughs> night. Pretty savvy move, if you ask me. Someone asked him about it. Well, it was Grant Flanders uh, from our, our competition. And, uh, you know, he said, yeah, these these are, you know, friends help me do this. And then he tweeted out a link to it. So, I mean, if you're worried about those type of things, it's perfectly legal to buy a uh, Nigel Pack T-shirt and wear it to the Baylor game, the next home game, if you're, you know, so motivated or whenever that shirt would come in. It's probably print-on-demand, so it might take a couple weeks. But pick a game in the future, get everyone to buy them, wear them to the game, express your love. I mean, if that's how the new world works in college athletics. You can pay him literally by buying a T-shirt you may never wear. It's silly. I, I'm not a big fan of the NIL, but um, I understand the purposes behind it. But that exact thing where fans can just line up and buy shirts that they don't really want <laughs> just to uh, <laughs> encourage a player to stay. But that, that is the world in which we live right now. Let's wrap this segment up with Girth Brooks, one of the greatest names ever, by the way. Where did it go wrong for Bruce? What's the one thing you could change during his tenure? Hey, managing a locker room is yeah. pretty, that's a, that's a softball question. I think that there is probably a deeper answer that you might know that I really can't pinpoint, you know, what's gone wrong, but his locker room, uh, management issues have, have really just, that's been his Achilles heel at Kansas state. There's no doubt about that. He's gotten some talented players here. I think the recruiting could be better, you know, for sure. K-State probably ranks down near the bottom throughout his time at Kansas state in recruiting, but he's gotten some players here. You know, Marcus Foster was a heck of a talent and, 
you know, it's a shame that one slipped away, but he's gotten players um, to Kansas state. And, you know, the one good thing about, you know, when he's, I guess, Fitz, I don't know if you would agree with this, but when his teams are struggling um, and, and showing that fight, I have a lot of faith that, that his teams will improve. Um, so I guess that would be, I guess, one thing that I could change is just, you know, I've, I've mentioned this so much that, that I always look at the highs that, that Bruce Weber has had, the Big 12 titles, the, the Elite Eight run. If there's one thing that I could change, Kurth Brooks, to answer the question, it would just be to, you know, you're going to have those lows. There's, there's, I mean, in the Big 12, in a tough league like this, you cannot avoid, you know, some of those down years. But, you know, under Frank Martin, those down years were, you know, an 8-9 matchup in the NCAA tournament against Southern Miss, right? You're, you're still a competitive basketball team when you're on that down year after Jacob Pullen and Curtis Kelly graduate, right? With Bruce Weber, it's a lot worse than that. So that's the one thing I wish that, that Weber could do differently. But I mean, this season, there's still, there's still life. And, and going back to what we were talking about earlier, Fitz, uh, you know, the TCU game, I mean, that's not even a must win game. Like that's just a, a game that you have to win. There is no, you can't classify that as such. You know, I think uh, the home game against Iowa state or even the, you know, maybe the away game, like those are those must win games that are actually going to get you over the hump. The, the, you know, the standard for K state basketball shouldn't be, Oh, you've got to go out and beat TCU. You, you know, you, that's K state. you you do beat TCU, you know, with when K state's good, that's not even a question. So, you know, you've got to just find a way to avoid these lows and, and be more consistent throughout the league. But my, my answer is just the locker room and his, his inability to uh, to manage it. And sometimes it works out great when you've, you've got an alpha leader that wants to go in and take that role. But when you don't have that player, boy, it's tough. I've said this before. Leaders come in both sides. You've got the great leaders, the Magruders, the Browns. I think Mark Smith is showing that he's that kind of guy. Uh, but the first two I mentioned – played a significant role, not just on the court, but probably more in the locker room that helped the program win those Big 12 titles. But leaders can also be leading in the wrong direction. And I almost feel like, um, this is a hot take, by the way, this this has got a hot take warning on it, Um, that Bruce's kindness is mistaken by some of these alpha players to be a weakness, and something that they can exploit. And they may not realize what they're doing in the format of a team locker room environment that they're destroying it. But when Bruce pushes on them, they push back. Marcus Foster, Cartier Jada are the two that I'm honestly talking about. I mean, these guys were natural leaders that led in the wrong direction. But I think if you ask both of those guys now, they get it. They understand what Bruce was trying to do. He was trying to help them with love. I think that's exactly how Bruce would put it. And they perceived it as weakness, and they didn't want to hear it. Um, And that's a mistake on the young people's side. I just think sometimes um, he doesn't quite get the locker room at all, and he doesn't see what's going on around him because getting those guys off the team earlier – would have helped both of those teams that he lost. And he ended up running out a bunch of players because they had been, uh, lack of a better word, tainted by the attitude. Um, I, it's an ongoing issue. But the result of that, Gills, as you know, has been exactly what you said. The downturns after successful teams and losing 
great players like Magruder and Brown haven't been dips. They've been crashes. And this is a prolonged crash, uh, one that's historic and has never been seen in the modern history of Kansas State basketball. And it certainly hasn't been seen in the last 80 years. This, and, these and three fit. seasons that have been awful. And unless they can really find a way to crank up a bunch of wins, they're going to have another losing record at the end of this season. And so, uh, you know, he, he's in charge for the good. You have to give him credit for that. But it also doesn't give him a free pass for the bads because this bad, this is historically bad and it's awful. I agree with what you were uh, talking about earlier with letting go. And when you have that, that poison in your locker room, you know, let them go. I agree. But at the same time, when you have, you know, such a talented player like Marcus Foster, whoever it may be, I mean, doesn't your gut just tell you, you know, come on, give them a second chance. Yeah. We, you know, we need you to be successful. And as hard as it is to let, you know, some players go, sometimes it is what you have to do. K-State, the basketball program was in such a, a worse position by Weber choosing to hold on to some of these players, right? There's no doubt about that. But at the same time, you know, what if Marcus Foster turned the corner and things got better? You know, imagine how good K-State would have been. They never would have had that, uh, that ugly rebuild that we saw. I remember talking with Thomas Gibson last year, kind of when this whole Bruce Weber, you know, fire Bruce Weber was the hot topic. And, and we were talking about coach Weber and he mentioned that after, I think it was one of those, um, the tournament in Hawaii, one of those games where him and Marcus Foster really got into it. You know, coach Weber went up to, to Thomas and said, Hey, I want you to take him out for dinner and, and kind of just, you know, apologize and move past this. Be, be the leader. You know, Gibson was, I believe a junior at the time, be the leader for that younger guy. And Gibson basically just said to hell with that. You know, I'm not doing that. <laughs> you know, Marcus is the one that messed up, whatever it may be. And then he said, you know, looking back after it, you know, years after it, kind of wishes that he would have would have done that. So, you know, with Weber, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Now, obviously, you, you, you can't have those issues happening in the first place. But, you know, sometimes you do get, like you mentioned, Fitz, that's a great point, those leaders that, that are the leaders, but maybe they're leading in the wrong way. So how do you rectify that? How do you... How do you make sure they're leading in the right way? Well, <laughs> the answer is right there. You you are the coach. You are the leader. That's how you avoid these problems. Man, I, I tell you what, if you had asked any K-Stater after their freshman year, who would be the NBA guy, Marcus Foster or Wesley Awandu? <laughs> nobody would have answered Wes. Nobody. But he stuck it out. He got, he got poisoned a little bit by Marcus. They were close, but he steered his life – the other way and bought into Bruce and it paid off. Um, Marcus mm-hmm. went to Creighton from what I understand. They didn't really supervise him very well up there. Anyone who wants Greg McDermott to come to Kansas state, I point to the Marcus Foster situation. It's not like he went there and found salvation and found a new way to do things. Maybe like Mark Smith, he went there and just kind of did the same crap and now he's playing overseas and nowhere near the NBA when he's an NBA talent. Uh, I, I'm not saying Bruce is wrong for any of this. Uh, and I understood exactly every step of the way. And I was pretty well plugged in on the whole Marcus Foster situation. I know what Bruce was trying to do for Marcus. He was literally trying to save him. And it went beyond basketball. Mm-hmm. But he should have done it with Marcus off the team. He should have continued all those actions. Let's get him into 
this situation. Let's get him some help here. And Marcus just pushed back, kept pushing back. He was still playing. Why why do I need to hear from you? And then at the end of the season, you know, it was like, well, this this is undeniably horrible. Um, when you immediately saw the, the photos from spring break, uh, when they were so eager to be done with their season so they could go party in, in Padre, which is it was him and Trey Harris, right? Yeah. And, and Trey's another guy that had some talent and, you know, kind of crashed and burned after, after going through what he did. So it's, it's unfortunate. I get what Bruce is trying to do, but sometimes being the nice guy, um, you got to have an edge once in a while. Yeah, and, and that doesn't mean just looking mad. Once in a while, you got to put the fear of God in someone. Um, and you see it from other coaches occasionally with officials. And Bruce just doesn't have that gear, which is great for Bruce, but doesn't always work out so well in terms of his profession. That's I, We'll see where this ends up. But as I mentioned, as we kind of come full circle here, Gills, if they don't win at TCU, they're going – they're coming home to play Baylor and Baylor has given Bruce Weber more problems than Kansas. I mean, you look at the results of these Baylor games, the last two years outside of the game in Kansas city at the big 12 tournament. Um, it's been disastrous or was that the big 12 tournament last year? Whatever the last game was that they played against Baylor and they were competitive, but it's yeah. just been a mess. So I'm just going to count that as a loss, but then your remaining home games are West Virginia, Iowa state and Oklahoma. All three of those are winnable in Bramlage. Then you got to win them. You just, you really have to win those because the math outside of that, I can't get you there. Um, because then your other road games are at Iowa state at Oklahoma state at Kansas at Texas tech. So Iowa State and Oklahoma State, you got to steal one of those on the road and defend your home court in those other three games just to get to 500 in your final eight games. And that, uh, and that's the thing is that would get you to, what, eight and ten overall in the conference. That gets you a little bit in the conversation for, you know, making the tournament. You're, you're only two games above 500. Uh, you, you need to win one or two in Kansas City. Bruce has a knack for doing whatever – has to be done to save the save his job. I'm just saying, just save his job. I'm going to make the first four. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And uh, so I won't put it past him to find a way to get into that NCAA tournament conversation by season's end. When K-State is doing an okay job now of staying within striking distance of, of you know, I guess being on the bubble, but at some point here you've, you've got to win two, three, four games in a row. To, to really get up and actually be in that conversation. Like the, the time is running out on just being average and, and, you know, staying within arm's length of the bubble. The, right. the time is now to, to really get, you know, kicking into the next gear to, to elevate yourself in that conversation. And I just got caught up in math, but the reality of the situation is you probably need a signature win. That means Baylor or Kansas or at Texas tech, you probably need one of those. And in, in addition to winning enough games, you probably need something to catch everyone's attention and say, well, this team might have lost at Ole Miss. They might have lost at home to TCU. They might have struggled at times this year, but boy, they just hung one on Baylor. They just hung one on Kansas at Allen Fieldhouse. They just won at Texas Tech. Now, they got to do something like that to kind of erase that Ole Miss game because that, for me, was a disaster, as anyone who saw my walk and talk knows. The one thing I will say about the Ole Miss game, though, I think K-State played okay. They came out with good energy. They 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 got open shots. They just they just weren't hitting them. And it's not like this team's. And I I fully agree, Fitz, on you know 
Coach Weber after the the KU loss, just mentioning, you know, Ole Miss and completely disregarding that that you know loss to Baylor. I get that. That's frustrating. That's honestly inexcusable. But the Ole Miss loss, from the resume standpoint, from the record, the math, all that stuff is certainly frustrating. But I think the proof is is there with the Oklahoma State game that 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 team is still locked in. You know, watching the press conferences, that team they're still. They're still bought in. I have no no worry with you know that loss really being anything about an attitude or a preparation thing. It was really just a matter of execution, not effort. So that's just me. I get that loss is frustrating, but you know I didn't leave it thinking the season was over. There's still you know basketball left to be played, and we saw that with Oklahoma State. He's Ron Gilbert. He helps cover basketball for us at GoPowerCat.com. He does a great job with everything he does, and he also slings a mean drink if you're around the right restaurant down in Aggieville. Mmm. Tacos. I'll see you there soon, right? Yeah. Mr. Gilbert, I appreciate it. Go go make some money. And that's it for this special edition of the Powercat Questions podcast. We talked all basketball, a full-fledged podcast on football and other topics. It was signing day. We are not ignoring that. We'll come tomorrow as we do back-to-back questions podcast separating football and basketball. Remember, we're sponsored by The Fridge. Kevin and the gang at The Fridge have been so wonderful to us, but it's not just because who we are. They're wonderful to everyone. They're just great people at The Fridge. If you have any questions about wine or your bourbon or anything that they might sell, they've got an expert in that area that can help you out. I'm Fitz and we will talk to you really soon as we line up a more football focused edition of the Powercat Questions Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Powercat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Powercat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.